Hey everyone, this is our Midweek Leadership Podcast. We believe that as you listen to it, it is going to move your life forward. So get ready for an amazing message. I'm honored to get to share this morning. Um, I was thinking about what to share and thinking about what I would say this morning. I was reminded again uh, that we are all leaders. We're all leaders, Um, whether you're here in the room or if you're watching, whenever you're watching, we all have leadership on us. This is not about personality type. You can be a one, a seven, a nine, whatever on the Enneagram. Um, That that doesn't matter. You can be an extrovert, an introvert. That doesn't matter. Uh, Either way, you have the ability to influence those around you. You have the ability to impact the lives uh, of people around you. And and we all know this can go a couple of different ways. Uh, You can be a Joshua type leader. Uh, leading people to conquer new ground, leading people to step into the unknown, leaving them feeling excited about where they're going. Or you could be a Saul leader, where you got people just praying, God, when will this end? <laughs> Lord, when are you going to do the new thing? Um, we're, we're ready to see something shift. But, but leadership, from what I've learned, it all comes down to not just getting things done, but it all comes down to how we engage with people, uh, how we interact with the people that we're leading. Um, and so I came across this, this verse that, that really stuck out to me. It's Psalms 72, verse 6. May the king's rule be refreshing like spring rain on freshly cut grass, like the showers that water the earth. This verse struck me because I don't know that I always think about my leadership as spring rain falling down on people. Uh, I, I don't always think of it that way, but... But I was realizing that, that, you know, re-realizing, honestly, that leadership isn't about getting people to do what you need them to do. It's not all about getting uh, the task done. Uh, it's about how you're leading people to the goal. Uh, because if you accomplish whatever the goal is, but the people that have been serving underneath you are left broken, are left dry, are left hurting, um, confused, then you have not led well. Then it is not mission accomplished. It is not uh, what you wanted it to be. Godly leaders should be leading people in a way that leaves people better, leaves people feeling excited and refreshed and, and filled up in some way, hopeful, expectant for the next. And, and we see this in Jesus. We see this in Jesus. So we're going to look at a, a couple of things that, that Jesus did this morning. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I I love this because Jesus is saying if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're overwhelmed, if you're feeling crushed, he's not saying, come and I will let you lay down on the grass and feel so good. That's not what he says. He says, no, 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 come and, and take my mission on. Take my purpose on. Uh, go on this adventure that I'm rolling out. Uh, carry this weight that I am carrying. He says, literally, take my burden. And the burden that I will give you is light. You carry it like I do, and you're gonna and you're gonna feel you're gonna feel refreshed. You're gonna feel alive again. I love this so much, and it makes me think about it makes me think about um, about about the fact that we can't hesitate. When it comes to asking people and inviting people into, one, into church. Uh, We can't hesitate when it comes to inviting people into serving. When you invite someone into serving, sometimes we get the feeling that we're inviting people into something that we'll take from them. But in truth, what we're inviting them is an opportunity to step into life. 
They jump on a serve team. They jump on a serve team. They meet the people that they're serving with. They meet the people that they're serving with and serve with them week after week. Eventually, those people uh, turn from teammates to friends. And then those friends will be the ones that call them uh, and ask them, how can I be praying for you? Uh, those, those, those friends are going to be the ones in their connect groups. When something goes wrong in their life, it'll be those serve team members that are now friends uh, more becoming like family that show up to make a meal train uh, when they have babies and they're in the hospital. These are the people that will surround them when things aren't going well. There is life in that. There is life there. That's what we're inviting people into. We talk about giving every Sunday, and there are some people that roll their eyes and like, oh, let me just like turn my brain off during this moment. But the reason we talk about giving is because there is life there. In our culture, in our current world, uh, we can get wrapped up in so many things, and one of the main things that captures our hearts is our wallet is our money. Uh, it has a hold on us sometimes. It controls the way that we move. It stops us from running full force into what God has called us to. But when we give people an opportunity to say yes to God in giving more than they're comfortable with, giving something that, that, that other people would say, no, you got to hold on to that. you got to guard that. When we do that, we're allowing people to step into a new place of trust, a new place of hope, a new place of allowing God to do something in their life that he couldn't do before when they were holding it that tightly. There is life there. There's life there. The way that Jesus led, there was life in that journey. You know, and he, he also, he, he wasn't always, you know, sunshine and roses with Jesus. He said some wild things. I, I love the, the moment where he's, he's teaching to all these people. All these crowds have gathered again, hearing all the things that he's done. And he says, uh, you need to eat my flesh and drink of my blood. I'm imagining that moment because like some people showed up, it's like, you know what? You know, I heard that he goes hard with the food. I heard that he made, uh, he made multiplication happen with some fish and some bread. And then he says this line about my flesh and drink my blood. And then people are like, I, I didn't sign up to become a part of the new cannibalistic movement. I, I, didn't, I didn't sign up uh, to do what sounds like this, this pagan thing. I didn't sign up for this. But he said that, and he didn't unpack it for the masses. And what I love about that is Jesus knew what the vision was. And he was perfectly comfortable with being misunderstood by the masses. He knew where we were going. He knew what the goal was. He knew where the, where the end design was. He knew that on the other side of this, there was life for people. He knew that he was actually ushering in a brand new thing, that there was a new covenant coming for humanity, a new step in the relationship between God and man. There was something fresh coming in that people didn't understand. And that if people were going to get stopped by the language, then that was okay. That was okay. So if, if you wanted it, you were going to come with him. If you, if you, if you wanted uh, what God was doing, you were going to trust past the confusion. Uh, he knew what the vision was, and he was not going to let anyone stop him, let anyone's uh, questions, anyone's confusion stop him from going there. I love that about Jesus. He also said some wild stuff. He said a lot of wild stuff to Peter over and over again. Peter just kept putting himself in position. But the moment when Jesus is talking about going to the cross, and then Peter says, no, Lord, we'll never let this happen. Jesus' response is, he says, get behind me, Satan. This is a funny moment, but it's interesting because you got to think about what Peter must have been feeling like in that moment. Peter was just literally called uh, the accuser, the, uh, the, the liar, the, 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 the enemy of all humanity. Jesus didn't play, he wasn't playing, you know, uh, softball with, with Peter. He wasn't, wasn't playing uh, light with Peter here. He hit him with the hardest words he could to let him know how far off he was, how far in the other direction he was from the vision of what Jesus' life was for. 
He cared so much about what God had called him to do. Jesus knew so much about who he was, what he was called to do, who, what, he, what he was there for, what was on the other side of his sacrifice, that he wasn't going to let any suggestion, anyone in his company, uh, start saying anything, even remotely in the other direction. He shut it down hard and fast. Now, what's crazy in this, you know, in our current culture, this is the moment someone gets offended. This is the moment that someone walks away. This is the moment that someone gets hurt. I can't believe he said that to me. Why couldn't he have just pulled me aside? My feeling, I feel things right now. Like, but Jesus wasn't concerned about Peter's feeling. He cared more that the 12, including Peter, uh, saw the vision, knew where they were going, knew that it mattered this much that nothing was going to stop it, knew that it mattered that much that there was life, uh, lives of millions of everyone depended upon what he was going to do and that nothing, no amount of zeal, no amount of good intentions were going to stop that. And I love that he stepped in and said that. But what's cool with Peter is, as hard as he got shut down in that moment, as embarrassing as it must have been in front of all of his guys, there was something about the way that Jesus led that even saying the hard thing, Peter stayed there. Yeah. Peter stayed there because the way that Jesus led, whether he was saying something beautiful, like come to me and I'll give you life, or he, if he was saying something confusing, like eat my flesh and drink my blood, or if he was saying something hard, no matter what he did, the way that he led was refreshing. Yeah. It was life-giving. There was purpose and vision, and, and there was just something so much more than what people had walked in with you know and we have to ask ourselves the question that as the leader as the leader that i am as the leader that you are is the way that you're leading life-giving yeah. is the way that you're leading refreshing to people is the way that you're leading uh leaving people better than you found them that's a challenge that we have to ask ourselves yeah. and uh, i wanted just to give to give a couple of quick thoughts uh, a couple of things that that i think life-giving leaders always should do first one always lead with vision we always speak to what we don't see yet because people aren't excited just to accomplish tasks, but people want to know what God can do, just what God might do if we go this way, just what God might have in store. So we lead with vision always. Uh, Life-giving leaders, they have hard conversations. They speak truth because they care. We don't say hard things to put people in their place. We say hard things because maybe it's the difference between saying it and not saying it is life to someone. Yeah. Them staying in that broken mindset, them staying with that lid on their potential. We say the hard things because it literally lifts lids off of people's lives. The next one, paired with the hard conversations. Life-giving leaders are really overwhelmingly, never-endingly, unstoppingly encouraging. Um... Listen, you, you, you tell people uh, not just what the goal is. You tell people not just where we're going, but you tell them how they're winning in their lives. You look for the wins that they can't see, and you call it out, you shout it down. We look for the wins, and this gives people courage. It gives people traction. When you encourage someone, you're literally putting courage in them to do more than what they're doing now. You're putting bravery, you're putting confidence in them that they didn't have before. That is the privilege that we get to have as leaders. We get to call out what they don't see inside of themselves and say, hey, there's more. Hey, you're doing good. Hey, you're not failing like you think you are. Keep going. You're almost there. You're almost there. It's amazing what a little bit of encouragement can do in people's lives. Life-giving leaders don't just say, I'm praying for you. They pray for you right then and there. 
We don't just say, hey, man, I'm praying for you. We take the moment, we lay hands on, and we say, God, would you move in this person's life? There's something about being uh, standing next to someone, having them uh, hand on your shoulder, believe in faith for what God can do for you that is refreshing and life-filling. Yeah. It's, it's been that to me, and I know that when we lead this way, um, it, it helps keep the burden light. This is how we help carry their own burdens. This is how we help people know they're not alone. It's restful to know that someone's got you, that someone's in your corner, that someone cares enough to take the time to pray with you. Life-giving leaders, they care about the people they're leading. This one's simple. If you care, you ask questions. Yeah. Not just about things that are connected to the things we're trying to get done, but you ask questions about the things uh, that's not related to the tasks. You ask what's happening uh, with the family. You ask what's happening in your heart. You ask what's, what, what, what's going on with your dreams right now. What are your dreams? What are you hopeful for? What are you expecting? What are you looking forward to? What are you, what are you desperate for God to do? What do you feel like God can't do in your life? Like we, we ask these questions. We care about people because the people that know you care for them uh, are more likely to follow you than just the people that think you have really good things to say. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing, I didn't even write it down here, but this one uh, should be basic. Uh, life-giving leaders, um, smile. It's really simple. Smile. <laughs> if you're casting vision, cast it with a smile on your face. Uh, if you are encouraging someone, uh, if you are having a conversation, a hard conversation, you're not like saying hard things with a smile on your face. That might be creepy. But uh, after it's done, breathe. Hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. I want you to know like this. I know that this didn't feel good, but you've got this. I believe in you. Just say it with a smile. Um, when you smiling, it's funny. Uh, smiling is infectious. Um, it's infectious. And also, uh, I, I think about the grumpiest of people in, in, in life that I've met. The grumpiest of people when faced with a baby that does one of these, it melts them. And even the grumpiest person feels better in that moment. How much more uh, when we just make that the way that we lead? A little bit of icing on the cake. Um, let's be life-giving leaders. Let's lead in a way that refreshes people. Hey, church, we hope this message has pushed you forward in your leadership and your relationship with God. We can't wait to see you this Sunday or in a connect group. Have an amazing week. We'll see you then.